This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, Welcome, joy, kindness and peace with people in the in days their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Whakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well indeed. How was your weekend? Really good, actually. A uh, bit of time in the garden, got all the tomatoes in finally, and yeah, just really nice chill-out time with the children. How about you? Pretty similar. It poured rain on Saturday, and that filled the harbour up with cold water, and it was freezing on Sunday. Not, not so good. But we did the not first... good at all. We did the first crossing of the season there and back, so all is good. And who Perfect. are we introducing today? Today it is my great pleasure to uh, introduce uh, Jackie Tiamo to Kurupa. Uh, I've known Jackie for many years uh, here in Whakatane. She's a governance professional, current chair of the um, Mirupara Community Board here in the Whakatane District and also one of the women who was instrumental in having the legislation changed to enable uh, Māori wards um, throughout Aotearoa New Zealand. So uh, an absolute um, powerhouse of awesomeness, I think. <laughs> Welcome, Jackie. It's so lovely to have you here. Kia ora. Thank you, guys. Kia ora. Kia ora to everyone listening. Kia ora, Jackie. Where are you, Jackie? Um, so I'm, I'm in Whakatane, and this morning it was raining, but now it's nice and sunny. So, yeah, I'm in the sunny Whakatane rohe. Yeah, Mawera tries to tell me it always is. <laughs> and so we're asking people how their bubble life was, and, of course, now we're having to explain which bubble life we're talking about. So let's go for the first one. How was your bubble life last year? Um, well, I enjoyed my bubble life because I'm actually writing my PhD, and um I guess I'm, I'm a bit of a gym fanatic too. Uh, the only thing I didn't have in my household was weights and all that. Um, but I, you know, um, yeah, I, I try to improvise. Uh, and saying that, my bubble life is great. Yeah. What's your PhD on? So I'm currently writing my PhD for our people, which I'm too hoi, um, descent. And um, as you know, or if you don't know, Tuhoi, uh, one of the, it's been about seven, seven years now since our post-settlement and I'm writing to bring clarity to our people because this is this whole governance thing is really new for our people and like other iwi in our, um, in our country, uh, we have our ups and downs but it's actually just knowing why and how, why are these things happening and getting a more of an understanding of these things. So I'm writing my um, PhD on te mana motuhake o tūhoi in te reo Māori for our people. How exciting. How, long, how far through are you? I'm halfway through. Um, I want to finish this uh, uh, in April next year, and, and I believe I can. So um, 
What is it too early to talk about what you have found or what are you finding? Yeah, um, so I guess it's just like um, some of my findings I've seen is that, you know, when we put out a document like mana motuhake, um, self-autonomy, self-sufficiency, you know, all that type of kōrero, um, I've found that rather than it come from one person, it's actually better if it comes from a collective. So because Māori people tend to work as a collective, and if you come from that angle, then we can all own it. We can all own um, mana motuhake. I just feel like as I'm writing my thesis that um, there is really no, um, no one really knows what mana motuhake is. And I believe that's only because the person in whom put it out there, um, he was the only one that, you know, that really understood what it was. Therefore, our iwi are finding it hard to try and cipher that and, and to try and own that right now. But I think if it was a template that was designed by our people, um, I think it would have, you know, would fall out really um, quite well. Uh, and saying that some of the, the research that I've actually um, done is quite exciting, uh, especially in my literature review. I love the literature review. Just gives you a bit of a layout on all the different um, people that have written about my kaupapa or my subject out there in the world in New Zealand. And I just, just the mana motuhake I get from all the kōrero that's out there is just so humbling. And it's really humbling. It takes you back to the um, the origins to of our culture, Māori dim, right back to iwo matua kore, and then coming down and I'm identifying all the different um, family groupings from our whakapapa, our genealogy, like um, ranginui and all those different family groupings. And I call that in itself the mana motuhake or raninui, you know, and then we get into papatuanuku or the earth uh, mother and all her different family groupings and all these names around papatuanuku, and I call that uh, her family grouping, but I call that mana in itself. So there's so many different atua out there. And with that, they all have their own um, mana or their own strength. And so mine is about bringing that all together and um, to show uh, what mana motuhake, and that's actually been really humbling just doing that, but I love it, love it. Are there useful frameworks that you can use for looking at Maori governance that, that perhaps we could all learn from? Yeah, they are. They, they help make the research a lot easier. Um, the frameworks there. Not only that, it gives opportunity for the researcher to create their own, their own framework. And so I've been um, using quite a number of um, people um, in order to not only that to protect the data and protect the people uh, and whom I'm receiving the information from. So um, yeah, no, it's um, it's definitely been really well. It's it's things like Kopapa Maori. Um, and it narrows down into Tuhoi Matauranga, which is um, a thesis that Wurumu Dohoti wrote, uh, Dr. Wurumu Dohoti, who's also the CEO of the Awanui Arani. Um, but it even gives me the opportunity to even break that down even more into, um, you know, Ruatahuna governance or where I'm from and um, uh, Ruatahuna framework, which is what I've done. So uh, there have been these 10 marae up there, and I'm using those 10 marae as a means of um, showing that um, collective leadership is far better than 
um, having uh, gone other days where we used to have one person at the top, um, but now it's about um, people's skills. It's about bringing those skills together um, to benefit um, the people. So yeah. And you're doing it in Tereo, and that is so awesome. I'm, I'm so pleased to to hear that that happening. Has it brought any particular challenges doing it that way? Yeah. Um, well, I was actually raised, born, and raised in um, Te Reo Māori from my grandparents, and um, I, I was um, Te Reo Māori was the Reo in my home, and so I don't find it difficult at all to speak Te Reo Māori or even write in Te Reo Māori. Um, and my community was like that too. Um, there were a lot of fluent speakers, and there still are a lot of fluent speakers there. And so coming out, I, I was also educated at a Māori boarding school outside of my area um, where I learnt, um, it was a Presbyterian school, so I learnt English and I learnt, and then I went on to university. So um, kind of the educated Māori, yeah. Do you think that's, is, is it going, is it producing a thesis which is, I don't know, is it richer than you might have done if you'd done it in English? I believe so. Well, I, I think you should you should always note who you're writing for, who's your target audience. And in my case, mine is only for my iwi, and so um, and and a lot of my iwi do have Te Reo Māori um, today, and are very strong in, in Te Reo Māori. So my target audience is actually my uh, my people here in in Tuhoi. And what's fascinating about this is that. Um, just being able to give back, you know, give back, and uh, and then family members they read your thesis, and then they'll either add to it or they'll, you know, it's just I, I look at it like that. Being able to, I, I, you know, in my governance roles, I serve communities, but the, I take this as another way of giving back to our people. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have LAB's Natural. Why this one? <laughs> Hey, listen, um, I do um, one of my hobbies. Um, I'm actually in a gym. It's uh, mixed martial arts. It's MMA here in Fakatani, And I started there. I was quite bigger than what I was. So when I started there, um, I didn't realize how big I had gotten and just let myself go in terms of my weight. And then um, I spent five years there. Um, I love that they train hard. And uh, the owner of the gym is actually in LAB. His name is Brad Cora, and so that's his band. And so that's the reason why um, I have a lot to do with um, with Brad inside my gym. Um, and I've just gone on to doing other things, but, yeah, that's why. It's your smile 
in the marketplace Your touch when we meet again It's more than it was at the start Oh, come closer to my heart now It's only natural to do that's just so focused on making things good for everyone else what do you do for yourself oh well um i'd have to say gym is is something that i enjoy doing you know like um, boxing kickboxing uh, but it's mm. also about balance in terms of my phd i think it's important to have a bit of balance when you're doing um, that type of level in terms of writing um, but I do enjoy joy that, so I think that's something that I do for myself. Um, in terms of my home, I like to keep my home nice and my home is my haven, so I like to keep it nice and peaceful. Um, as as you know, that um, when I'm out in the community, there's so many things that I'm actually doing out there, and um, like you said before, and one of them has been alongside others has been um, advocating to have the Maori wards here in Fakatani. So yeah. That's so good. Do you um you said in the break that you do some kickboxing as well? I I mean I've seen a little bit of that uh you know just from the time that I've known you, but it's outside of our relationship. So tell us about that because that's excellent. Um, so I um it's something new. I have um I was 
kind of just looking for a gym to go to and it kind of made my way into MMA and then started doing boxing. And then uh, another guy came from Australia over to New Zealand and he was a trainer and he was a kickboxer. So he said, oh, why not try this? And I tried it and I, and I absolutely loved it. So, um, yeah, so I was meant to fight this year, but due to COVID, it would have been my first fight. Due to COVID, um, they postponed it and, and all sorts of things went down. But otherwise, I would have been fighting around about now. Wow. Yeah. And um, one of my colleagues at REAP, I think she might, she does some sort of MMA as well. And she walked in the other day with a black eye. <laughs> and oh, I, yeah. I said to her, um, did you know you have a black eye and how did you get it? <laughs> and so she told yeah. me a story about grappling with a man um, as part of the sport, and uh, and he elbowed her in the eye and felt really bad about it. So does that happen? Do you get injured like that? Yeah, I I I don't like to wear shorts when I'm doing kickboxing because um, you end up seeing all my bruises, and that's just due to not blocking. It's just due to not um, you know all sorts of things like you know what to do, but if you don't do it, the other person that you're sparring with is actually going to hurt you. So. You want to make sure that you know you're you're alert and you're you're ready to train. Is it something that women are doing um, a lot of? Like, it, do, it, do you think there are a lot of women who are involved in that as a sport? I'd like to think so, but um, more importantly, what I've seen in my time in MMA with Brad and him is that how the sport can um, really change the culture within a community. Uh, for instance, we have so many things that are at the heights of our communities, like domestic violence, like, you know, all these poverty, like all that. Um, and I remember a lot of some of these kids coming in, coming in. And um, I remember some ladies also, um, you know, they were hitting me up on Facebook about what I do. But in actual fact, you don't know that until you put it out on social media that you're actually um, inspiring others. Um, who may not have had that or may not get that inside you know, the communities that they're in. So I didn't know that. I was just on a journey to find you know, myself. And unbeknown to me, um, others were actually following my journey so they also could um, get themselves, have the confidence to stand uh, or even join the gym and all those kind of things. So, yeah. That's, That's so cool. And um, when Jack was little, he did... Uh, karate did that for about five years or not that he's not little now but when he was much li more little when he was much smaller and um, what I noticed in him was how much it increased his confidence and his uh, physical awareness of where he was in space it really it helped him to be more body aware is that something that um, is, does it have the same impact on adults learning as it does on children yeah it does um, I had some some um, children come from Taniatu or Ruatoki, they came in, tried it, you know. And uh, I think the, the thing is, is that you've always got any, when you venture into anything, whether it be, and you, you know there are other Māori in there, they automatically see you as the elder one, tuakanateina, and all those things. Eh? And so when they came in, I was able to say, hey, listen, you know, it's like this, like that. But I could also speak Māori to them. Because I knew they they spoke Maori, so um, and I could also um, you know try and say to them, well, this is how it is in terms of what you're doing. Um, so I was able to relate to them, uh, but I was actually really proud to actually see them in there. Yeah.
that's but so it does. Cool. Yeah. Do you think that that's a space for you as uh, wahine Māori, educated, confident, um, and skilled in that space? Is that is that where you're going? Do you see yourself staying in there in, in that in that lead teaching kind of role? And if not, how do we get more women who are willing to do that? I think whether we like it or not, as PhD people or people who are chasing PhDs, tohu kairangi, what we call it, um, I think you are a, a role model for all those that are under, that are coming through. So no matter what space you enter into, like myself, being involved with politics inside my hapu space or my tribal space for over 21 years, um, but being educated as well, you, unbeknown to yourself, because you have added information, you are naturally that um, that role model. So I'd like to think that um, that's what we could do with our with our PhD degrees, is that um, we can actually create a path, if not nurture young ones, if not um, transferring of knowledge, um, retaining that knowledge. Um, I, I hope to think that's exactly what we are. Not only critically analysing things, or you know what I mean, like, ours is, um, is really to to give back to our communities. Looking at um, looking at all of the stuff that's happening in our community at the moment, like there's a lot of real negative stuff going on and, and I see the absence of that criticality and that you just nailed it before. That that's, seems to me what's missing is that, that critical thinking and the um, ability where our kids don't seem to be being taught how to disseminate information and make sense of things. How do we do that? How do we get, how do we bring that back into, into thinking the way, I guess, we were taught as young people? Yeah, I don't know. Like, um, I've always been that, that child that used to ask lots of questions. I was always that question child, and as I got older, I was still that question child, so... Um, and then they, my the elders on my mother, I said, "Listen, that's enough. You need to go to university. <laughs> we can't answer your questions." <laughs> and and that's actually where I went to was to university because they could uh, answer my questions. But um, I think, like you know, knowing those different spaces and in Te Reo Māori and Te Ao Māori, um, there are spaces like that where we critically analyse things, where we totohe or we have debates and um, debates on certain subjects. I, um, for instance, in the Murupara Gality Award at the moment, I'm not too sure if you know, uh, but we have um, we have the vaccinations and then we have the unvaccinated. And I wanted to um, set out a day where we could have our local doctor, um, Pembud, all our experts in health, um, to debate these this kaupapa around um, being vaccinated. Um, why? Is because um, so that the community could have an uh, informed decision and they could make up their own minds as to where they wanted to go. Because it's not mandatory, um, I just thought it was a good idea. I thought, wow, this will be neat. And... Um, yeah, it's where the community gets to see and hear everything. And hear, well, actually, I actually like what the health experts said, but um, I don't, you know, agree. But if you're not in those, if you're not, I guess you're not um, allowing for a space like that to happen, like in our um, like in our valleys or in our communities, then you won't get that critical thinking or you won't get those, those you know, 
those questions being answered. So you, we have to allow um, our people to discuss what mana motuhake is, you know, to discuss things like um, why we should be vaccinated and things like that. Uh, leading up to the rollout, we didn't have a lot of information, and, and that's where I believe um, Pembud and, and our local doctor, which is Dr. Conlon, are actually coming from. Well, he has, um, he's a doctor too, um, Dr. Conlon, Bernard. Yeah. <sighs> it's interesting, I was busily sitting here thinking about nurturing, and of course the graduate profiles for a doctoral level study are all about criticality and rigorous thinking and things. It's interesting to think about if it also said nurturing. Mm. I wonder how much that would change what people did or how they th think about the work they're doing. Yeah. I think it's important that, you know, well, I don't know. I, I know there, there are people that can just write about anything and everything, whereas I'm different. I want to write mine according, uh, and I want to give it back to our people. And so um, I, I'm not just, um, I'm not a writer who can just write about anything. Um, I'm, I'm a person who wants to write about myself or about my iwi, about where, who I belong to, um, because I'm not the only one. There's 38,000 tūhoi out there, but they don't all live at home. They live all around, you know, around the world. So I want to be able to, um, yeah, to give that back to our people and hopefully in time our young ones will add to it or or say, well, we didn't like what Jackie had to say. Um, we like da, da da you know. But hey, at least I'm putting my views out there. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orakanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi arohanui, kia koutou ko I hope you're all having the best day before superstars and your beloved universes. I really hope wherever you are and whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day. Who you are, triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique and here making things better. Thank you. I've had the most wonderful day with my dear friend Upoko David Allison from Pukatoraki, who has just come back to Aotearoa Stuneden, having lived up on the Kapiti coast with his whanau for the last four years or so. So I'm so happy he's back, and it's really wonderful. He's going to turn 85 on Thursday, and. We have so much in common and he has been a special education mentor for me since I began at Orokunui 12 years ago and he has had such a fascinating life and I have just so many wonderful memories of him being so supportive and encouraging to me over the years. And of course, being very involved with all our translocations of native Taonga species at Orokunui. And he released the first Tiaki saddleback back onto the mainland in 2009 at Orokunui. It was very special. And of course, the, the tuatara and the kiwi and many of the other species he's been 
very involved with and of course he's still very involved with all sorts of really fascinating and positive projects for Kaitahu and I just am so happy he's back so we had a lovely day and we went shopping and he hadn't been shopping for four years because he'd had the support from his whanau up north and so it was really a wonderful adventure to go shopping with him and also of course to have that wonderful sense of caregiving and nurturing which was really the best way to spend my day and such a privilege and I had a wonderful time hearing all all his stories that he wanted to share with me today and asking him questions hearing about Karatane over the years and his memories from being a boy there and also sharing his stories from his father of being a boy there and all his experience with Tupuna Kōkuri and a lot of other organisations and he also had such a desire to do special education that he went all the way to the Yukon in Canada and lived there for 20 years and established the first special education schools there and outdoor education and he's also been very involved with Plunkett because his dad was the first Plunkett baby so really just a really wonderful day and of course it got me thinking that when we do have the opportunity to spend time with people and help them and hear their stories how incredibly rewarding it is and also of course that we're so lucky to have our komatua and our older people that can remember all these things and tell us about them. And he gave me a wonderful, very, very old photo. More than 100 years old. And it was the, the first, one of the first photos to be colorized with the, the copper plate system. And it's of Karatane. And it would be a very old photo. There are no, there's only one road in the photo and hardly any buildings. And it was just wonderful to see, of course, what it was once like. So I really hope that for you, you're able to have the time and the space and the emotional energy to connect with people around you and really enjoy it. Of course, I'm so grateful to be part of the show. We're connecting with people all over the world, hearing their stories. So a huge thank you to Sam and the whole Blowing Bubbles team for having me and to all of you. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much. Kakite. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Jackie Tiamo Tikurupa. Jackie, um, nurturing is really important. And you were just talking about that before. Yeah, because I, I believe that, you know, whether we like it or not, and we're at that, that level, doctoral level, um, we're creating a pathway for all our young, aspiring Māori writers. And I believe that's actually what I'm doing for my iwi. So I'm writing for my iwi, but in actual fact, I'm also encouraging and nurturing others coming through. Um, I'm actually with a team of six, I think, six other tuhoi that are writing 
and and um and my supervisor is Toyota here um black he's my supervisor at the moment so but I believe that what I'm actually doing is um, creating that pathway so that um, other tūhoi can see or other Māori can see that um, they too can um, can do what I'm doing. And we have a, um, a whakatauki or a proverb in our iwi um, and this whakatauki is from one of my um, intermediate schools called Huiaro and the whakatauki says uh, iti rea rea and what that actually means is that a small bellbird can um, can exceed the heights of education. Well, in actual fact, can exceed the heights of the tallest tree in Te Urewera, which is a kahikatea tree. So I believe, um, yeah, that, that whakatauki is probably the best way to sum it up. Well, there's nothing to follow up with that, Jackie. It needs a long pause after it to, after it to soak that in. That is so exactly perfect. And um, and may we all know our duty to be those people that nurture the bellbird up into that space and let them know that they can go there. Yeah. Jackie, we talked, sorry to bring us back down to earth, we talked about the first bubble last year. Mm-hmm. How's the not quite bubble life going now? Um, well, uh, we're allowed out and about um, here in Fakatane. We actually don't have any cases here. I heard just um, this morning that there are some cases in Rotorua, which is near us, and um, and Taupo. So it's getting closer and closer. Um, but I've actually um, take it upon myself to be an advocate for those communities, those eight communities in my um, area, um, to push to have them all vaccinated. And and my reasons are simply because I want our people alive, first and foremost, but not only that, is that those are, those are vulnerable communities. And so when we're looking at um, having to go to the, the nearest hospital, it's like an hour and 45 minutes. And um, it's, you know, for some, like I'm here in Whakatane, it only takes me like five minutes to get to the nearest hospital. But where I was actually raised, it's, it's actually quite um, an hour and 45 minutes. Some of them don't have vehicles in order to get there. Um, so, you know, there's all those kind of struggles. Um, but I just, some, I, I just believe that there are families that are vulnerable and don't get the information. And, and yet there are people who are saying, well, you don't need to be vaccinated. And I'm saying, well, no, you know, like I've been working with these communities for going on my ninth year now, going on my ninth year under the council. So I kind of kind of know. But in terms of where I'm at, in terms of um, my bubble right now, uh, it's not bad. Uh, I was actually planning a birthday party. And I don't know if it's going to eventuate, but I'm hoping it will. And the reason why I wanted to plan this birthday party was that um, I have uh, since finished over 21 years with my tribals, um, 15 years with my kapahaka team, and I wanted to acknowledge people in the different spaces that I'm involved in, council, MMA, um, because without them I wouldn't have done the things that I have done. You know, so I wanted to say thank you to all those people and bring them all together. 
also taking advantage of time, knowing that at any given time we will be in lockdown again. So I just wanted to say that to them prior to them going away and having their Christmas um, functions. Yeah. So right now, my bubbles, yeah, it's okay. It's not too bad, but I just hope we don't go into lockdown. And congratulations. All power to you working with those those communities, those those vulnerable communities. Is there anything that the rest of us can do to help? I just think that, you know, just to inform people out there to have the right information, have the right information. Um, and if there are um, vulnerable families out there, you know, ensure that they have information. So we, we naturally assume that people are on social media. You know, I found in, in, in the area that I serve, they weren't even on, so they didn't even have internet in their homes. So there are families out there that are that are living like that. And um, just, yeah, just, just to give them the right information. Let's take the second of your music choices. Let's have a Radna, Forever Love. I presume that she doesn't own a gym that you go to, but why this one? I don't know. I um, I think she's like a soul singer, eh? She's like a soul singer, and I, I actually compose music, Maori music. So I did a um, Tito Nawaiata paper up at Waikato University, which is where I went to um, do my masters and my undergraduates and honours at Waikato University, and then I um finished there and followed my nan back to where I was from, where I was raised, and um, she wasn't well, and then I got into all this council stuff that I was doing. But um, coming back to the waiata, I, I think she's a soul singer, and I just I just thought to myself, wow, that's beautiful, you know, beautiful, a beautiful voice, and, and I guess the words just resonated with me. It's a shame. That you can't love me much as I do Ooh, it's a shame That you can't love me much as I do Love you Even though you
Jackie, we've seen lots of change in society over the last couple of years. What do you think is going to stick? And perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? I know that no matter what we plan, we need to plan with COVID. So whatever events we're doing, um, wherever we're going throughout the world, um, we have to plan with COVID as ensuring that, um, one, we're vaccinated, um, two, when the booster comes in, we even have the booster and everything else like that. So, yeah, I think um, your health is really important um, in going forward into the future. So we just need to ensure that um, that people, people think about their own health first. Um, but people are planning with COVID and anything and everything that they're doing. I think that that'll stick with us until we actually have this cure or whatever it is. It just seems to me like you're going to get the booster next and then you're going to get something else next because this this is not of our making and it's not from our country. It's not even Māori can, can actually use rongoa Māori for this. This is from outside of our country. So we just need to protect ourselves. Do you think it's a return to some sort of business as usual, or is it a some sort of new normal? What are we What are we looking at? I don't think any of it is going to be normal for us, um, but I think that life should go on, um, providing we have those protections in place. Um, and I mean, I, I'm just giving you an example here, and don't like to hear this, but. Um, a lot of, in my community, a lot of people had quit their jobs because they didn't want to be vaccinated. So, and some of these jobs are like teaching jobs, uh, which is, you know, their choice, but at the end of the day, it means our kids got no teachers. So it's, it means that, you know, one of our kōhana reos where our um, early childhood go to, um, they are now finding themselves without a kōhana not operating. So these are just some of the examples. But in going forward, I hope that, yeah, it's a, it's a different kind of normal. It's not normal at all, um, not to what we're used to. Mm. It'd be unfortunate if the body autonomy argument gets in the way of all of the good work in terms of the the, the cultural renaissance, the the... Um, the, the, the sort of sovereignty and the strength of those communities, that would be a, a very unfortunate mis, mismatch of ideas, wouldn't it? Yeah, um, I was just listening uh, to someone talking about the Māori Health Authority. Um, for me, like, um, I just think that it's a bit late. But, you know, when we're sitting at the table with a big council table, um, any table. I, I think it's important to know that, like for Fakatani, we are sitting at that there are a whole different number of um, different ethnic cultures here, and it's the ability to be able to sit down and work together um, in terms of our, a common goal. And gone are the days where you think that, oh, well, Māori, you know, they're at the bottom of the scale, so we don't really need to consult with them. Well, in actual fact, there are a lot of iwi that have actually done their, their settlements, that actually own a lot of assets. There are a lot of iwi that know how to manage their um, their areas. 
actually far better than central government. And so this is what I'm seeing is that um, that Māori Health Authority should have been in place ages ago. And now, now that we've got, well, I'm just happy that we have got, um, I'm also on two national boards. One is called Te Maruata for all Māori who are duly elected to council and regional council. That's Te Maruata. And on that board, we have Tipa Mahuta, who is Nanaya Mahuta's uh, sister. And she's actually now um, the co-chair of that board. And then I'm also on what we call the CBEC board, which is the um, community board that uh, sits under the councils, and there's about 512 out of 67 um, councils uh, around New Zealand. And so, yeah, those, um, yeah, so those community boards are there. I just think that we need to be uh, central government, especially Labour. They should be looking at how best to utilise these different spaces. Community boards could be doing a lot of work themselves. Why? Because they're so in touch with our people on the ground, eh? And then you've got, um, of course, this Māori Health Authority that I believe should have been in place ages ago. I have some questions to end the show with and not very much time, so we shall have to be quick. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Wow, the biggest success that I've had. Listen, I... I guess it would be um, just all the opportunities I was given by my people in terms of the spaces to serve. I think um, I was kind of quite fortunate that, it, and I've been a part of the Edgecombe floods, I've been a part of the behind the scenes with the, um, the Fakari eruption, um, being um, one of the biggest horse auctions of Ruatahuna, that was cool. We designed all the, the animal control signs from Ruatahuna. So, you know, and I wouldn't have been able to do that um, without, um, I guess, if I wasn't being able to, if I, I wouldn't be able to do that if I wasn't given those opportunities. And so I thank my tribal space um, for giving me and nurturing me in that space. And that's exactly what they were doing, was nurturing me in that space. And um, now that I've left that behind me, now that I'm able to walk into another chapter of my life. So, yeah, I, I think that it's um, is, has been that. We are writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's your superpower? <laughs> my superpower... I think my superpower is just um, my grandparents were really religious. Um, they were Ringatu, um, Te Kōti's um, <laughs> Hahi, and, and I believe in a power beyond myself. And I also believe that um, this power can also work through you in order to help our people. And that's all I am, really. So I believe in God. I believe in my Hahi, my religion. Uh, first and foremost, and always looking uh, for the greater good. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Sometimes, yes. It all depends on what the kaupapa is. Yeah, I think we should be. We should, um, you know, you should always stick up for yourself. Uh, I've had my ups and downs in my political career. Uh, my learnings, but um, if you value something, I think you should put it out there. 
So what motivates you? Yes, what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? What motivates me? Oh, gee, um, I guess I've always been that type of person to, um, you know, I, and it's fair to say, there are, there are people out there that can help others more than themselves. I'm one of them too. But I, um, you know, when I've been working for these communities and, and I've been fighting for the Water Services Bill, you know, that impacts on small communities, um, their own drinking water, what I'm actually fighting for is equality, is what I'm actually fighting for is the voice for those small communities uh, to be heard. Um, what I'm actually fighting for is for our own tinorana tiratana at that level. So I, I guess I see myself as a person who is fighting for people that uh, really have been in a, a really vulnerable situation. And I believe that our people in these eight communities, uh, when I first went back from university back home, they were living in substandard housing and they didn't know any other way and believed that was okay, whereas I didn't. So, and then, you know, I was able, as I was educated, um, to follow things through, get them a bus service, um, all that kind of stuff that will just take them to town and do shopping and come back, you know. So there are people out there that are really vulnerable, and I'd like to think that um, in my political career that I was there to help. So what challenge or opportunity are you looking forward to in the next year or so? Oh, uh, well, I, my challenge is just to finish this PhD <laughs> next year. Um, I want to finish it, yes, and I'm going to finish it. I'm going to finish it. Um, that's one. And um, as you may or may not know, we, a little group of us, we were quite instrumental in terms of the Māori wards, having Māori representation on our council, and a lot of other councils have adopted that. Yay. Um, and so I will be standing for that, um, for the Māori ward seat in my area, which is um, Toiki Uta. Um, yeah, so I think it's just fitting that we do, and I've encouraged Tony Boynton also to stand as well. Hmm. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Oh, um, I, um, I guess if I could say anything to anyone, just um, if you have a dream, chase it. You will never know if you don't try it. Um, and I have always been a person that had lots of dreams. Some have, um, some had, you know, some I, I don't know, I just said, it, this is what I'm going to do, and I went to university. I didn't know how it was going to play out. None of my family actually went to university. So, you know, it may, it may be different to what your family's doing, and it doesn't matter. What matters is that it matters to you. So that's all I want to say is that if you have a dream, chase it. Yeah. Thank you for that. Mawira. Jackie, that was, um, that was such a good interview, and uh, I think the thing that I really um, will take from it is that that real 
understanding of what nurturing means in the spaces that you work in. You are doing such an amazing job of being a role model, of being a leader and a teacher and a nurturer in so many parts of our community. I see your hand everywhere. And uh, so just please don't stop doing what you're doing and um, and all the best with the, well, not just with finishing uh, your PhD, but also with that, taking on that mantle of leadership as one of the first people in Aotearoa to be um, sitting in one of those elected seats as a Māori representative for our people and um, and all the best for all of that. And thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Kia ora da. Thank you. I think I'm now on a mission to add nurturing to our doctorate's graduate profile. I think so. <laughs> all right. Thank you, guys. New task. Thank you. You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We are broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Cora. Crazy Things. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, with Mawera Karatai in Fakatani, and also in Fakatani, Jackie Tiamal Tikurupa. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show.
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.